hello and welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, where we discuss how to live a loving life. My name is Ted Slaughter, and I have the honor of sitting in for our host, Reg Lloyd, this week. And Kenny, today um, we're going to discuss chapter 12, um, which is titled Loving in Your Influence. And I know I know you start off the, the story there in the book um, talking about a time that your brother got to meet uh, President Bush Sr., um, which is a pretty cool story. Do you think you could maybe expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll start there. But before I do, real quick, um, so yeah, Ted Slaughter, Colin Slaughter, hiding in the other room in there. But um, but no, we couldn't, we'd really, this wouldn't be happening without y'all. Oh, and with yeah. what you do with your business model, everything else. And um, and I've worked with a lot of people on a lot of projects. And it's pretty rare to find someone that's um, that's relentlessly, di- di- relentlessly <laughs> diligent as y'all are. I mean, I come in here and talk to the mic and then y'all make all the other stuff happen. But I just want to say, if there's anybody out there needs help, have questions uh, about podcasts, whatever it is y'all do, or maybe you could share real quickly how they could contact you if they wanted to do anything. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, you know, this, this podcast was an idea that I approached you with, um, you know, probably maybe a little less than a year ago. And we just kind of started talking about ideas and for us. So we have a production company, um, called Atlas recording company, and we do, um, all different forms of, of audio production. We, we work on records for bands and uh, musicians, but then, um, we kind of had this idea of, um, I, I got to do some work for you in the past with recording the audiobook version of the right fight, um, which honestly was just kind of life changing for me. Just, you know, I, I read through the book probably three or four times in that process with editing and just working on it. And, um, man, just found myself challenged constantly, convicted constantly, um, which I needed. And so the thought of, um, you know, just kind of after seeing your, your stuff on social media and some of the conversations that you have that usually kind of expound upon some of the concepts in the book. Um, but obviously with social media, um, you know, you're, you're usually confined to like a 60 second window of time. And so the thought with the podcast was, man, what if we take these really, really powerful concepts in the book? Um, and what if we create like a long format conversation where you can kind of just say whatever you want and expound, but, um, you know, that was, that was our first podcast to start with. And honestly, it's just been a massive blessing. It's been kind of a cool challenge for us as a business where we do a lot of, you know, like I said, um, musical recordings, um, but it kind of helped create a whole different world for us with getting into, you know, kind of the commercial audio side of things with podcast production. And so, yeah, um, you know, obviously if there's anyone out there that, that, enjoys this platform, kind of enjoys the way that we do this, this format. Um, man, yeah, that would be great. You can contact us on our website, which is atlasrecording.co.co, um, or look us up on social media. Um, and yeah, we'd love to help you, but, but obviously today we're excited to jump into the content, um, and explore what it looks like to be loving in your influence. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. And I know I just kind of tossed that at you. Didn't tell you it was coming, but I really appreciate everything y'all doing. And, um, and I wish you great continued success and hope we're a part of it. And thanks for encouraging me to do the podcast. Ted really did. I mean, that's where it came from. I say, man, why don't you do a podcast? I'm like, what's that? (laughs) But it's definitely a platform that people need. People need this. And I think it's been cool. You've shared with us some of the, 
um, you know, comments and people messaging you and just how you, I think you've even gone as far as like out of state, you've had some people approach you and say that they were listening to the podcast and it's made an impact. And so, um, that's, that's honestly the most rewarding part of it is to see that, you know, the goal from the very beginning was that this becomes something that impacts people's daily lives, which, like I said, even just in working in the audiobook. Um, producing the podcast, like I know it's, I know it's been very challenging in a great way for us. Um, and I, I believe for all the listeners as well. Awesome. Challenge for me too. But yeah, jumping into, um, my brother meeting president Bush. So you'd have to know my brother, but I'll, I'll try to help you know him a little bit here. So he goes to this, uh, he, he first of all, um, he, he, he just, uh, he likes going and doing nice stuff i call him metro he's my metro brother he's always dressed nice i mean my ball cap my t-shirt you know you know i look like his uh his driver or something but uh no he goes this so he goes to this nice steakhouse over in houston and um he's eating there and and he, he's telling me the story and so he says you know they go in to sit down to eat and there's a something there's a lot of you know scuttlebutt going on in the back corner of the restaurant he doesn't know what's going on but if you know my brother he will know what's going on Pretty shortly, even if he has to just walk over there sure. and see whatever. So, so anyway, he he kind of kicks around and he figures out that the um that the former president at that time was over there eating dinner with his family and his wife, and and you know we make the dog tags with scriptures on them, and then it was Bush, Jr. Um, you know George W. who had read the scripture off the dog tag off the children's mm -hmm. strength to the nation or more wow. Memorial Day speech. And so Gabe's like, man, I want to, he wants to get to him and give his family one. He has some with him. So he goes back there. And of course, the Secret Service is guarding there in a separate room and they're guarding the uh, room. There must have been more than one <laughs> entry, though. But so he goes to the Secret Service and he's like, hey, man, uh, I, I'd like to talk to the president. And, you know, is that possible? And they're like, no, that's definitely not a good idea. You know, and so, so he doesn't know what to do. He goes and he sits down. Well, this is what you have to know, my brother. But he decides, you know, Secret Service said he shouldn't talk to the president, but maybe he should ask the waiter. <laughs> you know? So he asked the waiter, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'll, does he come in here often? And he's like, yeah, he comes in here all the time. He's really a nice guy, you know. And, and he says, well, um, you think he, he would talk to me? He's like, yeah, man, y'all just go talk to him. And so my brother's with well, Secret Service is still there. So he finds another way in. Yeah, <laughs> slips into the room and, uh, and and approaches the president, puts his hand on his shoulder, and, and I'm like, he, he survived it, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, but he gave, but here's where I'm going with this: he gives him uh, one of the children's stream, and then the president. Apparently, what happens from there is the president asks him to go give one to his wife, and then other family members, and he has a little conversation with them. And now my brother's driving home, and he's tell he's explaining this to me. And to my brother, it's like President Bush was the greatest man he had ever met. And that wasn't, you know, I, I, I was like, what did he do? Like, I keep thinking, what did this guy do that he had this kind of an impact? I'm like, I mean, like, what's rocking him so much? Because he was just so, it just meant so much to him. And in the end, he, he really didn't do a lot. I mean, it's like he, he, he gave him his attention. He was grateful that he showed up. And, and so I'm thinking, why did it have, 
I mean, like if any normal guy would have been in that room, and my brother does this for other people too, not just the president, he gives these things away all the time. If they would have given him the same attention that the president did, it wouldn't have been as significant. And then it crossed my mind that what if the president had blown him off just a little bit? And my thought was he would have probably, instead of thinking he was the nicest, greatest, most kind, everything he had to say guy he had ever met, and the whole family was, he would have probably been he was the biggest jerk he had ever met. And so from there, I'm thinking, I'm trying to, trying to explain this in the book, is that it's, it's, it's the level of influence that he had. So to whom much is given, much is required. And, and it just turned a light on for me to think, okay, where we have a lot of influence, we have a lot of responsibility. And then from there, I'm trying to think, you know, where, where do I have a lot of influence? And where do I need to accept the responsibility? And, and, you know, I'm not the president of the United States. I don't know a lot of people. I don't have all, I don't have all that kind of influence. But there are people in my life that I do have sure. that kind of influence on. And so then I'm asking, who is that? Yeah. Who are the people that I have that kind of influence on? And how do I treat them? And unfortunately, what I found in examining myself was that the people that I have the most influence on are the people who are closest to me. And, and the people that have the responsibility to mo- love the most, like my own family. And then what I find is that, unfortunately, those are the people that I actually tend to treat worse, not better. So, and, and, I, and I don't mean I'm terrible husband or terrible dad or, um, or whatever you, you know, all those things. I just mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I just mean that, that, if you see me out and about, if you see me on my social media page, if you see me on my Instagram videos, if you, wherever it is you see me, if you followed me home and into my home, unfortunately, you wouldn't see the same, especially then. I'm getting better, okay? But, I mean, and, I, and I've said it before here, my, my wife is, she loves me, so she tunes me up. And she's the first one to tell me, you know, can you talk about all that love stuff? But just look at you. I mean, look at look at your look at you right now. And I'm like, oh, oh wow, yeah, I don't really want to look at me right now. And so, um, but just as an example of that, and and how I was failing to do that in my own home, and how I needed to to take on the responsibility of doing a better job of loving my family, and how this plays out. Um, not long after all that went down, and I'm contemplating these things i come home one evening and i've had a real busy day at work and i also have a lot i need to get done that evening i might have even been working on the book i think i was i think i was working on the book the right fight and i was trying to get this stuff written down in the evenings and i'm trying to get it written down while it's fresh in my mind in my heart because i'm afraid i'm going to lose it and and then it was just one of those days and but i also know that there's this air conditioner vent <laughs> that's in the hallway it's the air intake for our our air, main uh, air conditioner and you know they got all these little vents on them and over time the moisture and everything ours had become rusted and it was looking terrible Tammy been on, Tammy been on, Tammy had been on me for a while you know about changing it and, and, and way longer than she should have had to be and so I finally bought one then it sat in the garage for months but you know like this was the evening I definitely had to change the air conditioning vent too and I had no idea how to change an air conditioning vent it's, it's, it's not rocket science but 
I'm thinking there's, I was thinking there's probably going to be more to it than in there actually was. Always. Yeah. And, and it's never, and even if it's, if it's easy, I, you know, I got the wrong part, you know, it's going to turn into something. So, uh, I'm, 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 I go to start working on this air conditioning vent. I got this other stuff to do. I had this bad day and Kennedy's like two years old and I love spending time with him, but here he comes and he, he sees me tinkering with it, trying to figure out where the screws are to get it out of the wall. And he's like, dad, can I help? And my first thought was, uh, no, like I'm, we're not turning a 20 minute job into two hours there's just no way and and so i'm gonna i'm gonna come up with a distraction a diversion whatever it is and but i'm trying to i'm now i'm trying to love in my influence this is my influence and love is gonna cost me something and what am i gonna do and then on top of all of that ted i had uh i had just met this guy who worked for a company that i was in we were having some problems with on, they were surveying some property we have and it's a long story there, but this guy came in as a mediator and he worked for the other company. I didn't like him at first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he was pulling for them. I was anyway, but one, we got to be friends throughout the process. And this one of the things he told me that was sticking in my head and poking out of my head whenever Kennedy's trying to get me to do something. He said, if your kids ever want to help you do something, let them. He said, it's the best way for them to learn. It's the best way for you to spend time with them. He said, it's always going to be harder. It's always going to take more time, all of that stuff, but you'll never regret it. So this guy had just told me all that. Now Kenny wants to help with air conditioning, and I don't have time. And But I'm just like, man, okay, Lord. So Kennedy, sure, man, what do you think we should do here? <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking he, he has no idea. And But what does he do? He starts looking around. He looks up and, and looks up inside the vent and finds the screws and i'm like how did you know to look there and he gets his screwdriver out and he starts to loosen them up he pulls two of the screws and then he gets distracted and he's gone and you know he he took up probably five ten minutes of my time max and that may sound simple but it taught me a lesson and 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 it showed me that you know from that point forward anytime they wanted to help me do something even if it took more time i took the time to do it and our relationships have been better for it, you know, so much better for it. So loving in your influence means you have a responsibility to consider who you have the most influence over, whose lives are most impacted by your decisions and by your selfishness. And are you willing to do what you believe is best for them, even when it's harder, even when it takes longer? And then when you aren't, because I'm not, so often do we have the courage to go back and say we're sorry yeah you know and then hey let's try again i think that's a big one because i can say so i I have four kids and i know that there's a lot of times just like you where in fact even today ironically while preparing for the show and just kind of going over these some of these notes um you know i'm in a rush i'm trying to get out the door and, you know, my daughter's asking me, you know, will you sit down and eat lunch with me? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I, I, of course, I want to in theory, but I also have a limited amount of time. And um, it's funny how it seems like, you know, while you're trying to teach the lesson or present the lesson or you're, you're kind of God's been dealing with you about this subject matter. And then there's always an opportunity to put that to the test. Like it's, it's not a coincidence that as you're, you're, you're learning this theme, this subject, God's working on your heart. 
Um, and then he just always likes to give you the opportunity to actually put it into practice. And it's funny how, um, that's, that's still challenging whenever we experience that moment. Yeah. And I think that what really makes it so love when, when someone knows we love them, when they know we're trying, when they know that we care about them, when, when, when they know we're giving our best shot, um, and our maybe, and sometimes we just can't, you know, sometimes, uh, circumstances just don't allow it. Sometimes we mess up and we say we're sorry, but whenever they understand why, when, whenever that core reason comes through, I think that's where all the wonderful stuff happens. That's where, even though they didn't get what they wanted, even though they got disappointed, even though, uh, whatever it was, they still don't feel like they're not loved. They still understand their love. They still understand why, why we're doing what we're doing we're okay. So, so in other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't have to get love perfect. Yeah. We need to get our why right. Yeah. And then all the stuff in between, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but that's not what matters most. Yeah. You know, it's so, so whenever you can't have lunch because you have to do something, when I can't let Kennedy help with the vent, you know, because there's just absolutely, it's not possible, whatever that, that doesn't have to be life changing. But whenever I, blow him off because I don't have time to deal with him. And then whenever I continue to do that and I don't have the courage to come back to self-examine and come back and say, I'm sorry, you know, and then when that becomes the pattern in my life, which is kind of the, that's why I want to default to all the time. Then over time, love starts dying and the relationships I have with the people that that I have the greatest responsibility to love, the people that I have the influence with. And because we're around the people, our family specifically, more often than anyone else, there's a lot more opportunities for mess ups, sure. you know? And, and we're not putting on our, our best show, our best look when we're around them. We let our guards down, we do all these things. So there is a lot more opportunities for mess ups, but that's also a lot more opportunities for repentance and a lot more opportunities for our, our hearts to be truly known and truly seen, or early, for sure our intentions and our desires, and that we really do love our family, that, that we really do consider them before ourselves. And if we get, if, I think if we just do that, and we, and we don't get the, all the details right, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it really is. I mean, nobody, no, I don't think anybody gets it just right, but if someone is loved, they know they're loved. And but whenever, whenever we, well, wouldn't you say that? Since obviously, you know, in this discussion about love, I'm sure it's clear to everyone: love is not something that you just, you know, it just happens to you overnight. It's not something that you fall into. If you fall into it, you can fall out of it. And the same is true with our families: that we we become love. That's the goal: is that we would become the love of Christ um, through experiencing the love of Christ. And I think that, um, you know, like you said, like our families being the ones that are closest to us, they're the ones that are also going to see the most moments where we don't look like love. But I think, um, wouldn't you say that part of that process, when our, especially with our kids, when our, when our kids, you know, see that we did something that was unloving, don't you think that there's immense value in them seeing us? becoming love where we can go back to them and say, Hey, let me, let me explain. Like that's part of the why, let me explain why 
this was wrong. As a parent, you know, some some people take the parenting approach that, you know, well, because I said so, and, you know, you don't question me, I'm perfect, or, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, like, I think there's so much value when our kids are actually able to see, hey, mommy and daddy, you know, man, they got it wrong today, but they came back to me and humbled themselves and said, hey, I want to explain something. I, I think that what I did was not right, but let me explain why I want to do better the next time. Yeah. I mean, that's a, an incredible point. And there's two ways that goes. And, and it's just that simple. I'm the one who messed up. And when I'm the one who messed up, then I have a responsibility to come back and say that I'm sorry. And I'm afraid that if I do that, I'm going to appear weak or it's going to be easier to ball over me or whatever we're afraid of. But when I get up the guts to come back and do it, what I actually am is strong. And then I model for my own children how to handle it whenever they mess up because they will. And the other one is the other side of that coin is that somebody else in the family messes up, you know, mom messes up and how she treats me. But, but then I protect her anyway. I protect her image. I protect her, you know, uh, I protect how my children see her, you know, or, or so whatever. So, so we have a responsibility when we mess up to own our mistake, to come back and say, we're sorry. And then we model for our children how they should do the same thing, which is going to bless their life. And then when somebody else messes up, how we protect that person. We don't, we don't throw them under the bus. You know, our goal, we, we still love them even when they do. Then we model for our children yeah. how to do this, how to live the same selfless life. So, yeah. So the mistakes and the blunders, because we're closer, do create more opportunities. But if we don't seize them, they'll seize us. If we allow fear to seize us and our family gets torn apart instead of, drawn and glued tighter together. It really creates a culture of grace in your house, like like real grace, right? Because some people think grace, you know, means that you can do whatever you want to do and God still loves you, which obviously he does love you. But, you know, the Bible talks about that grace does not give us a license to sin. A real, the real form of grace is when we experience the grace that God gives to us, that inspires repentance, right? And that shows us, well, if he would still love me even though I did this, then I don't want to do that again. I don't want to abuse that love. Rather, I want to be transformed more so into his image. And I think when we, just like what you said, when we can do that, when we create that culture in our own home where our, our kids know, our spouses know, hey, you don't have to be perfect, right? This is a safe place. Like, you don't have to be flawless for me to love you or I'm, you know, or else I'm going to withhold affection from you. But rather in this family, you know, we're good about recognizing and humbling ourselves when we do get it wrong, because that's part of the process of becoming love. It's not that we can abuse that and be fear led and, um, you know, make decisions that are, that are selfish and just what's best for our own immediate need, but rather we're going to create a, 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 an environment, a safe environment, um, kind of like you also talk about, you know, you, you can feel the difference when you walk into a home and you want to sit down and be comfortable versus when you walk into a home where you can tell that there's this, this selfishness in the air where, you know, this person's only out to get what's best for them and not for me. But we can, we can combat that in our own homes um, by creating that that experience of repentance, wouldn't you say that's that's correct and that's important? Yeah, well, and, and grace is um, not permission to be selfish. You know, it's not love is not 
it's it's not it's not okay with anything you do. Um, it's only it's only okay with what's best for you, and what's best for you is that you also love, and um, and you're not loving if you're taking what is grace. Um, if you're if you think you can take advantage of grace, you really can't. Um, but um, yeah, you know if you're gonna if you if you really understand grace and what God did for you, the last thing you ever want to do is take advantage of that. Um, and if you do, you're going to be failing to love. And um, and when you fail to love God and you fail to love other people, you might hurt other people. You certainly don't change God, but you're but you're on the path of really wrecking yourself. So I don't know. I don't I don't I don't understand um, the argument that I think it's a misunderstanding of love to argue that if you have grace, you can just do what you want. Um, because if you just do what you want, you don't know love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put that. And, um, and I think that that's probably one of the greatest misunderstandings about, uh, you know, the love of Jesus in our culture these days is thinking that it's all, which we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes, that it's all this system based off of works and, and I do this so that I get that. And, Um, but the reality is, you know, to understand the love of God is to understand the grace of God, because that's how he displayed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, and I think that a practical way that, that we become love in his example is that we lay down ourselves, uh, for our families, for our kids. And that looks like those micro moments, doesn't it? Not not just the big things, but but it looks like those moments of sitting down and taking just a little bit of extra time with our kids when it'd be so much more convenient just to, you know, work quickly and efficiently. And But, you know, we'll, we'll probably never know the impact that those moments have on our kids the same way that we have those moments and those memories with our own parents and family members. Yeah, that's right. Got to give you time, man. Do what's best for them. That's the bottom line. You know, what what is truly best for your children? Sometimes it's best that you go to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And say goodbye and give them a hug and you can't play today. Yeah. And, but but when you can, um, it just actually spend time with them. This is priceless. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I think that that probably wraps up our discussion for today. This was a great episode and, um, you know, as always, very much convicting and hopefully life-changing for everyone listening. Um, but until then, until next time, trust God's word, no matter what, keep your eyes on the horizon. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the right fight podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, the right fight for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.